Hello, everyone, and thank you again for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Rowdy Buddhist Podcast. Sorry, it's taken me a little while to get on this next podcast here of the third, uh, uh, third noble eightfold path, but I have been doing some other projects. So, thank you for your patience. Today, we're going to get right on with it talking about right speech. So we've already talked about right view, right intention, now right speech. And right speech, interesting concept right now, isn't it? Because we look around at all the things that we're seeing and perhaps we're getting good right speech, perhaps we're not. Uh, A lot of us, uh, perhaps even uh, as Buddhists, don't understand what it means to have right speech. So it's a very important concept because speech is a really big part of the idea of manifestation of karma. So as we look at meditation, the idea of thoughts, we see thoughts, we see emotion, but they become, and this is the difference between uh, Vedic karma and Buddhist karma, is it's a conscious thought. So we make a conscious thought, bring it into um, manifestation through action. So speech is that one aspect of action. It's something that we use in everyday life. See, that also makes it perhaps the biggest stumbling block for all of us. Um, and since we, it's mo- the most used by most humans, uh, you know, if we don't properly understand it and use it uh, and regulate it, then we may be in many ways causing more suffering. So... It's important to understand that, you know, a lot of times most speech that people has, that most people use is seen as kind of like the emotional center or heart um, where, you know, that it comes from our true self, we think. But in many ways it is perhaps uh, we have to look deeper into how the Buddha viewed the idea of right speech and the manifestation of such. So the important part is we see from the idea of right intention, the previous one, that we have these concepts of non-ill will, non-cruelty, and the idea of renunciation. And we then understand how speech is used as a skillful means and also a way in which we can change our karma because when we speak things into existence, speech is uh, extremely power in spiritual traditions. Hence, even our basic practice of Namu Myoho Renge Kyo is based on the idea of manifesting it into the universe through our speech. So, getting right into it, there were there are four aspects, four parts of correct speech or right speech that the Buddha set out for us. And the first one is not to lie. And this is interesting because a lot of times, where does a lie come from? A lie comes from the idea of concept of self uh, because we use it to preserve or influence or help or even benefit self. Uh, and we know that in Buddhism, one of the major parts of understanding or liberation is the idea that the illusionary self and what is the true self, the Buddha nature, being able to distinguish those two. Now, the Buddha specifically said he had a very understanding of what it means, because when we say not to lie, 
a lot of times we may think, okay, the brutal truth. So we may look at somebody and go, okay, I, I am a good person because I don't lie. I always tell people what I'm thinking, such as, you know, the perfect example people always use. Do you like this dress or do you like this hat? And, and they use the brutal truth of perhaps, I don't like that. It's an ugly dress, ugly hat, etc. But actually, again, that concept, that idea is coming from the idea of your judgment yourself and, and also what is the purpose of speech? That That's what Buddhists need to understand. Speech isn't just something that we indiscriminately use. We have to understand the, the, the power in speech and, and the way that we need to use it in practice, just as the same as you sit in meditation, right? So the Buddha said there are two parts of the idea of not lying. The first part is the idea of it being true, that means based on reality, not one's likes or dislikes. And the second part being beneficial. And this really takes me to the point of the understanding of the idea of even compassion. Because in the commonplace, if you look up the, the, the word compassion, it simply says empathy, empathy, empathetic. But in Buddhism, we know that empathy is marked, must be followed by action to remove suffering. So when I look at this idea of truth and beneficial, it being true and beneficial, we have to look at it in the idea of, in, in the concept of compassion and wisdom. So when we look at the idea of truth, we have to see that through wisdom. And then, of course, the compassionate part being beneficial. So not only are we Buddhists supposed to speak the truth, we're supposed to understand it in a way through wisdom to be able to benefit other beings. So sometimes it's best uh, to be neutral and not say anything at all. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, if we use the correct wisdom, we can use that moment in order to understand both ourselves and to benefit other beings. So, you know, we are not in the sense based on that the, if you simply speak the truth, then you are following and practicing the idea of Buddhism because that, that needs to be based in wisdom. And again, even in the Buddhist Sangha, there are very varieties of the idea that who is it beneficial for, right? So the benefit of the other person to be able, what is the benefit of the other person? That is to direct them towards enlightenment, fulfilling the Bodhisattva vow, so if we can skillfully understand how to use that situation and what is the most appropriate thing for that situation, that is the understanding of skillful means. But simply to sit there and think because you speak a truth of your own understanding, your own like or dislike, that you're being honest, uh, is somewhat irresponsible. Because if you match it with the other part of beneficial, what is your point? What is, the, what is the actual bodhisattva behavior or action? Um, because actually, one of those things, if we look at it, that's a very subjective question. Um, whether one likes it or not, is that necessarily a truth because of your subjective mind or subjective ego looking at something and going, I like it or dislike it? So... That's a very important part of the concept and understanding of truth. And if we look in, even when we chant the Daiboku, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, Myoho is a universal Dharma, universal law. That is the truth. 
that is something that we can't change. That, can, that is something that whether we like it or not is the reality as such. Okay? Second one is going to be harsh speech. Now this is really important because we see a lot of harsh speech uh, going around. And I couldn't believe I was watching something where people were chanting for people's deaths and hoping people would die and, and uh, hating people. And yeah, oh my goodness, it was this idea of harsh speech that, you know, it's interesting from where I come from, sometimes people will look at how I speak or even how I phrase things as harsh speech. But actually, in, in, in my culture, perhaps, that's endearing, you know, speech. Also, with how loud my family even gets, people may consider that's harsh. Especially when I came to Washington here, I had to slow down my speech and also my volume. Whereas uh, in Buffalo, where I come from, it can get relatively high in uh, very excitable circumstances. But again, we don't view it as something scary. But if I am not mindful or understanding about regulatory that and simply follow what I like to do, it may in fact cause a harm to someone. So that's very important. But the idea of harsh speech means there are some people who pride themselves on harsh speech. Uh, I knew somebody who was a very harsh person, made them very uh, difficult and unapproachable sometimes for people. And, and also in the idea of the when we're doing it, we need to also be aware of, now when I say harsh, it doesn't, it means kind of more crude or violent in a way, speech. Um, because that means that we're not, we're not being aware of the idea of the truth and the beneficial nature of speech and the power of speech. Um, a lot of times this has to do with uh, profanity or uh, other other ways that we can make people feel uncomfortable or brutal speech. Um, you know, it, it's a very interesting point that all of us need to understand and, and, and contemplate deeply uh, based on, and that's why I really like the idea of truth and beneficial. That That's kind of my standard I have to use. Uh, because in some situations, in communicating with other people, uh, if where I come from, if you spoke to them in a very gentle or a soft way, they may feel you're speaking down to them. So, it, you know, with that idea of wisdom is knowing what's appropriate at that time. What's a, you know, and again, Buddhism doesn't hold that uh, any particular word or any particular phrase is, is negative. It, it's the idea of what's behind it. So again, all of these things, we should look at our motivation, our stance from where we're coming from. Because if we don't have a stance, more than likely you're going to break one of these and cause harm. And you're definitely not going to be speaking wisdom or truth. Um, the next is divisive speech. You know, speech that divides. Um, because actually the purpose of speech in Buddhism is a lot of times to try to reconcile. Uh, and that means not having everybody get along that if they don't get along to hide their feelings. What it means is to, to reconcile with themselves, with their Buddha nature. Um, but to have divisive speech or speech that divides uh, is actually in Buddhism a very complicated and also severe um, precept or rule with the Buddhist Sangha. Because 
one of the the most how do you say uh, they call it kind of sin or the highest level the the, the offense is to cause division in the Sangha, right? And that happens with this kind of divisive speech that people have because ultimately it's extremely powerful negative karma because ultimately you may think it's not going to get back to you, but it'll get back to you. And that, of course, is not in the idea of speaking on the truth of someone's Buddha nature. It's not seeing somebody as a Buddha, right? Never despising Bodhisattva, even though people uh, throw stuff at him and say all kinds of stuff. And we can see in that parable lots of examples of this kind of speech uh, in which people judge others, um, like or dislike. And instead, we as Buddhists should be restoring harmony. So if we're engaging in speech that divides people based on anything, that is not in accordance with the Buddha's message and is an extremely powerful negative karma that can have a substantial effect on your behavior, on your mindset. And again, it's something that in, in all of these, you have to be very mindful and aware and concentrated to, to make sure you don't do this because it's so easy to you know, speak out about someone you don't like. But I was always taught, it's interesting because, you know, uh, I find it a more, much more challenge to find something about someone I don't particularly care for, about something I admire about them. And it's interesting that once I can find something about that, uh, even a small thing, uh, all of that falls away, that need for, uh, you know, dividing our, myself from them or from others. And, of course, that, that is a wonderful way to stop that negative karma because it's so subtle sometimes, which disparaging speech, you know, where we, despise, we disparage another's Buddha nature based on something we like or dislike, something they can either control or they can't control, right? Uh, we don't particularly like the way they talk or what they believe in and that. But as a Buddhist, if we are engaged in that, even if it is a reactionary behavior, it is definitely not in the idea of uh, reconciling harmony. And therefore, in that way, that is not the proper use of speech. So, especially in these days, which how things are so divided, <laughs> there's constant dividing speech, a divisive speech with everyone, based on what their politics are. This is why I, sometimes to me, well, not sometimes, it is, I look at my life as far as energy. I have a certain amount of energy. I have a certain amount of brain energy and physical energy and time on this planet. And everything that is divisive to me is a very big waste of time. First of all, it goes against the idea of Buddha nature. It goes against the idea of reality, of course, to Buddhism. Because if you look at this world, the Buddha says, it is filled with gods and men. And that means mankind, not just men, but mankind. In that mankind is humanity, right? And we look around. In reality, that's what it is, because that's our true nature. But with our actions, we divide each other. Therefore, we divide the Sangha. And the world is one big Sangha. And if we're dividing that, actually, that is a terrible offense in Buddhism, one of the most difficult karma. It's up there with killing your parents 
or killing your Buddhist teacher or wounding the Buddha. That's how serious it is. And finally, the last one is frivolous speech. And the one Pali word that I remember when, when I was studying Pali, when I was in, uh, in studying with my Sifu, and uh, the monks came uh, who taught Pali, they used it. I just recently heard it in somebody else's video. And I, I just it just came back to me was this word, Sampapalapa. You know, it always reminded me of Oompa Loompa. But uh, the, the Sampapalapa, because it, it sounds like a made-up word. And uh, basically the one monk said, he, he just used his hands like this, like, you know, the opening and closing. But actually they translate as a kind of blah, blah, blah. Uh, what that means is the blah, blah, blah that we constantly give out to people. Um, and it's interesting because this is a really challenging part, especially if it's a cultural part, you know, where I I didn't realize it until I started studying with Skamoto Sensei. And, uh, you know, small talk, uh, especially small talk, in, how do you say without the understanding of propriety or how we talk or how do you say how a conversation works um, can sometimes just be where did that come from but you know in in a lot of different places people use those things whatever comes to their mind they come out and they say it and then you just have a conversation of whatever is coming to each other's mind coming out and saying it and it's sometimes you may ask yourself what what's the point of the conversation and, you know, this idea of blah, blah. And uh, I remember training with Skamoto Sensei and I would say something because probably I, I, I look at it now. I was perhaps uncomfortable with something, uh, you know, tension because around him he's very strict and uh, directed as to what we're doing and observing the precepts and that. And, and when I when I would speak about something, I, I would pull one of those things kind of perhaps it's a distraction statement where you'd pull out the idea of how 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 about those yankees you know in the middle of a project or something else you'd pull out something that is totally as we say left field right and i remember squota sensei used to say well what's your point and that I had never experienced before because usually most people will let you just blabber on and they'll try to move away as best they can, as quickly as they can. Uh, but also it's interesting in, in understanding the, the way to hold a conversation that I still use it today. If I need to change a subject in the conversation, I say I'm going to, on a different topic, on a different subject, to the mark, the, the position of the, okay, can we change the subject or we still need to have more conversation about the last one? It's really amazingly useful, but it was something that was so subtle, perhaps from my upbringing, that I had no idea um, how difficult, how, how do you say, how, how um, tiring it is. Because if you've ever experienced it, the idea of blah, blah, blah means the idea, it's very tiresome. Whereas if we're in an active, engaged uh, conversation, because you know, being human beings love to make progress and love to put information together and, and work towards something, 
the idea of work, right? But blah, 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 it can be extremely tiresome, you know, without a point. And, and a lot of times you see people, and, and perhaps it's a it's an egotistic thing where, you know, you believe that whatever is in your mind or your emotion, just throw it out there and it becomes relevant. But a lot of times it's totally not relevant. And I, I train my students this way. And sometimes I, I can see a lot of times it is a defense mechanism for most people, maybe for you too. That's why you have to be mindful of it. Then in the middle of a project, one of my students will go, uh, my family says hi. Or, you know, something very left field. And a lot of times it's because people, and this is the idea of samadhi, which is concentration, uh, applied concentration, you know, and mindfulness, sati, that they're not used to it yet. So they always have to fill in the gaps. I remember also being in Japan where a lot of times in a Western culture, just small talk was a way of filling the, the air. But sometimes in Buddhist temples, especially in Japan, they read the air. So sometimes there's no need to even fulfill it. But you could imagine to someone coming from where I come from, they have total silence. It could be very disjointing to people. Uh, but yet, once we understand it, and once we have that regulatory idea of the mind uh, and understanding about frivolous speech, it can be very comfortable. But a lot of times, this is just showing you that you there's something unbalanced in yourself. So if you're having a reaction to silence uh, in a situation, perhaps uh, there's something you need to be looking into and studying a little more. And if you find yourself just filling in dead air with talking, then perhaps you have to look at what you're afraid of, like why are you uncomfortable. Uh, and also understand the idea of silence, which can be very challenging for a lot of people, especially if you've never, never done that before. So those are the four important parts. And it's important because a lot of times of it, a lot of time you know, with those ideas is it goes right back to the idea of right intention, right view. Okay. So if you have an issue with right speech, as I said, if you find yourself, uh, you know, unable to deal with silence, unable to not be give out blah, 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 you know, some papalapa, all the, you know, filling in the dead air, um, you can work yourself back to the idea of right intention. So, what that means is that what is your intention? What, what is the emotional center of your practice? What is your purpose of your practice? What's your purpose of your life? Then we go back to the idea of right view that we find in the Lotus Sutra with the idea of awakening and empathy and compassion and action. So, you know, you can go backwards and then you can go forwards and that will help you understand the idea of right speech. So these you know, build on each other. So if you just memorize the whole, uh, how do you say, eight parts of the eightfold path, right? It it will just become a system for you. But it's very important to work through each of these and understand how they build on each other. That's how I memorize and implement them. And it's interesting, one important thing is when we go back to right view, right intention and right speech, 
when when we look at a lot of times, if you see it, these four aspects, not lying, uh, harsh, divisive or divisive speech, or frivolous speech, a lot of times, you know, this is this comes from a place where we want to control or we have a kind of judgment to others. And it reminds me back to the idea when we look at other people's faults. And it's interesting, uh, Dayajari uh, Mitsunaga Sensei, who is the one of the monks on Mount Hiei that completed the 1,000-day Kai Hyogo practice, I asked him what he specifically learned um, in those thousand days. You know, I, I w- that was my question. I was like, what's the point, right? <laughs> Tell me, what did you learn? And he said, not to judge others so harshly. Because everyone, within their own logic or reason, or whatever they have, based on whatever they have, their karma, their understanding, are trying their best. So even if you may look at somebody and go, like, that's a terrible person, They've made that decision to do those things based on what they have, what they understand, in order to try to do their best. Now, that doesn't mean to do their best in an enlightened way for the best, the better of humanity. It means sometimes survival, sometimes self-preservation, sometimes fear, whatever. But they're using it as a coping mechanism. So we as Buddhists should always, when we look at other people, this is where we can generate compassion. Because it's so, if you if you have that mindset towards other people, the idea of never despising bodhisattva, then you wouldn't use harsh speech. You would use encouraging speech, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to lie to beings because you want to give them the correct beneficial information based on truth and beneficiality, right? Then you would never do diversive speech, you know, uh, divisive speech in the idea of dividing others with yourself and with others. We bring people together in the idea of frivolous speech, of just speaking and wasting time and energy. Because all of that, as I stated, we only have so much energy and so much time uh, to practice. And if we don't understand how wonderful it is, first of all, to have a human body, human mind, human heart, and then if we lose the opportunity, even though we've met the Buddha's teachings, to implement them and to make change, that, that would truly be a regretful life. And I don't feel anyone wants to regret or begrudge their life in that way. So I hope this has been useful for all of you. This is just my understanding and how I use the concept of right speech, uh, along with the uh, first two. And... Uh, if you have any questions, of course, you can always uh, contact me. Um, and I thank you so much for your support, both in listening uh, and also the great financial support people have for this podcast. That's why I always look forward to doing it. And it's extremely motivating because all that money goes to the Dharma and helps with other projects. Uh, but it's really... It's really wonderful to be able to see everyone's sincerity and 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 practice in in the buddha dharma and and uh, i really that motivates me in my life so i thank all of you with gasho so thank you very much and i will talk to you next time thank you